0: Good morning Lake Hills Church, my name is Whitney Wiseman and I am so glad to be with you all today. This is a This is a good time to be in Austin, spring break, the weather is perfect, South by Southwest is happening, Texas is still in the tournament. We are here together on a Sunday morning, whether you are here in the room or you are watching online, we're so grateful that we can gather together, that we can connect with one another as we connect with God, worshiping together and learning from God's word. I have been a part of the Lake Hills Church family for the last 12 years, and in that amount of time, a lot of life has happened. I got married to Justin Wiseman, and since then, we have added two people to our family. We really took the vision of growing the community of Christ one life at a time seriously, and um, Lucy is about to be two, and Byron is four, and this is a really fun stage of life for our family. They are very entertaining and slightly exhausting, and we're having a blast. One of the really fun things is watching them grow and learn and do new things, trying out different things. Um, one of those things is the English language. They, they are, are practicing and finding rhythms of communicating. Um, Lucy, our almost year old, is rather proficient. She has a lot of words, but it turns out that is because she has a lot of opinions. She, you don't have to wonder, like, what she's thinking, what she needs, what she's doing. Honestly, she just narrates. She just, like, walks around the house, like, I'm picking up my baby. And, like, she, you just, like, never have to wonder with her. Um, in fact, earlier this week, she's still in her crib. And earlier this week, we could hear, like, too early in the morning, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> Byron is also so fun because he's learning like like adult words and phrases and listening to things and not those adult words and phrases. I know what you're thinking, and I work at a church, guys. So, but he's always listening. He's putting things together, and um, he went through a phase where he actually used the word "actually" all the time, but he didn't actually know what it meant. And most recently, he's been saying, of course. So, of course, he wants to do lots of things. Of course, he knows lots of things. Um, He walked in the back door the other week and said, of course, you're not cooking dinner, mom. And of course, he did happen to be right about that. (laughs) Ironically so, but he was right. Learning to to speak, learning to converse is an art. I'm sure we've all been in painful conversations where we thought everybody here could use a little more practice in the art of conversation. Well, prayer is actually no different. There is an art to prayer because prayer is talking with God. Prayer is spending time with God. It's one of the means by which we engage in this relationship with God. Eugene Peterson, he wrote the the message version of the Bible, and he says that prayers are tools, not for doing and getting, but for being and becoming. And I love that because prayer is being with God. There's a priest, Richard Roy, and he um, I heard him say this prayer as he enters into God's presence to find. A, a way to settle his heart and focus his mind, he says, God, Lord, be still and know that I am God. And then he repeats, be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. And I love that. Like, I can feel my heart, like, slowing down. I can feel, like, a, a breath of fresh air as I prepare my heart to spend time with God. Prayer is being with God, not just talking at or talking to, but connecting with and engaging in a relationship with a creator who wants to connect and engage with us. Prayer is also becoming. It is in prayer that we are transformed, that our hearts and our world are transformed as God sets things right in our hearts and in our world. Prayer is powerful, it is transformative, and prayer takes practice. Now I know I'm not the only one who feels this way, about maybe being slightly uncomfortable with prayer because I've been in lots of Bible studies where the leader at the end of the hour says, all right, who would like to close us in prayer? And then it's just crickets. I'm sure you have also been in a similar situation. See, prayer is mysterious. And it's not surprising that we struggle with prayer. When to pray, what to pray, how to pray, what words to say. Some of us choose not to pray at all. Some of us want to pray, but we can't find the words. Prayer is a great mystery, and it requires vulnerability, effort, and action on our part. But nothing great is ever easy, and this too is true of prayer is wonderful and prayer can be hard. I hope that admitting that is encouraging. I hope it is liberating even. If you feel that way, you are not alone. In fact, you are in very good company because even the disciples who were with Jesus 24-7 struggled with this. They asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. In Luke 11, verse 1, he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. They ask Jesus this because they see that all that he was doing, all of his kingdom work, was rooted in his relationship with God and his connection to the Father in prayer. They noticed that Jesus' connection with the Father was the source of his compassion, his power, his wisdom, enabling him to heal, preach, Feed people and fulfill his mission on earth to establish the very kingdom of God among them and among us today. They notice that there is power in prayer. They notice that prayer transforms reality. And they notice that it does so in two ways. The first way is externally. In prayer, when we pray, God, thy kingdom come. We're asking, God, would you change things in this world? God, would you put things right? Things are out of order. And we ask, God, put things right in this world around us and internally. We ask in asking for God's will that we we surrender our own. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. May your heart, may my heart be aligned with your heart, God. May the things that delight you delight me. May the things that grieve you grieve me. There's a transforming power both externally, and internally. What we learn from the disciples' question also is that we must learn how to pray. Prayer takes practice. We have to do this. In asking how, how do we pray, there's a sense of hopelessness, a sense of necessity, a sense of desperation. We cannot do even this on our own. God, we need your Help. In response to the disciples, Jesus outlines a template or an order for prayer. And these aren't magic words that if you say exactly right, then the genie God will grant your wish. Rather, it is a model that reorders our hearts and renews our minds as we engage with God and God engages with us. So in answering the disciples' question, Jesus, he gives us two, uh, we have in two of the Gospels, this form of prayer that we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer. So we're looking in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus says, Pray then this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the first week of this sermon series on the art of prayer, Pastor Matt talked about how prayer is personal. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus encourages disciples, do not go out to the street corners and perform your prayers for people. Rather, find a private place. Make it personal, make it relational, make it intentional. And last week, we talked about God's kingdom, God's king and lordship in our lives how we can yearn for God's kingdom and yield our will to God's will. And today, we're going to continue on and look specifically at verse 11, give us this day our daily bread and consider how we ask God for things. And this is so important because if prayer is powerful and prayer is transformative, then how and what we ask for should be presented with the utmost of importance and mindfulness. So as we broach this topic, it's important to recognize that it is okay to ask God for things. I love that Jesus exemplified that, that Jesus showed us that example that we can ask God for things. We are allowed to ask God for things. We should expect to seek God and ask God for things. That's part of what makes us human and makes God God. Some of us, however, are uncomfortable with that idea. We are afraid to seek, to ask. Maybe it feels presumptuous to you. Maybe you think, surely God has bigger fish to fry. Maybe you wonder if God is all powerful, then what difference will it make? Or if God already knows, why do I need to ask? But here's the thing, it is part of God's goodness of God's character, of God's lordship and love, that God allows the world to be susceptible to our prayers. How God does this while maintaining the ultimate authority and power is a great and beautiful mystery. Uh, The pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City, Tim Keller, calls it a practical mystery. He said it is practical because if we believe that God was in charge and our actions meant nothing, it would lead to discouraged passivity. What's the point? Why even bother? If, on the other hand, we really believe that our actions change God's plan, it would lead to paralyzing fear. I don't know about you, but I don't need that kind of pressure or power. However, if both are true, we have the greatest incentive for diligent effort, and yet we can always sense God's everlasting arms under us. In the end, we cannot frustrate God's good and perfect plans for us. It's almost like it is okay for us to hold on to two seemingly different things at the same time and they both be true. It's almost like we can have questions and doubts in the midst of our faith. Or we can be grieving and still find moments of joy. Or we can ask God for God's kingdom and God's will and present our requests before God. Unfortunately for us, it is far too easy to ask wrongly. Oftentimes, I ask that my will be done. Or maybe perhaps you've bargained with God before. God, I promise if you make this happen, I will never do that again. Or I've been so good, so like, do you think you owe me this one? We can be too timid. When we can be too selfish. And in moments of desperation, perhaps you've even prayed a prayer like this. Joe An obsession of burning desire The undeniable passion The love for someone something Yeah Charles Walking Hey, can I play? Oh, that sounds so sweet. It's a wannabe who looks like him. Sorry. Break out. Shouldn't even be here. Be gone. Wannabe, be gone. Just a few more tests, gentlemen. Tests for electrolyte levels, glucose, CBCs, RBCs, etc. And we've scheduled a 12-lead stress test and neurological battery to include EEG, reflex test. This girl, five feet nothing, blocked my shot when did you first start having this dream it wasn't a dream it really happened I promise I'll never swear again I'll never get another technical I'll never trash talk I'll never go out with Madonna again some serious '90s vibes coming from that, which I personally love. Um, maybe you've never been in that exact situation where aliens come and steal steal your pro level basketball skills in order to win a game against the Looney Tunes, or maybe you've never dated Madonna, or maybe you have. I'm not here to judge, but. That prayer is so relatable, right? We often think in terms of transactions, if you do this, I will, or since I did this, God, you've gotta. But prayers for God's kingdom and God's will and our requests must be in harmony. Otherwise, our prayers look like that. Or perhaps they are too passive and defeatist, or we panic at the weight of them. See, these prayers for God's kingdom and God's will must be established before we can ask God of anything in order for us to integrate our requests into God's kingdom and God's will. The order and the harmony matter a lot. Each phrase can stand on its own, but it is more powerful in the context and the fullness of the Lord's prayer as they are intertwined. So for all of you visual learners out there, imagine a Venn diagram. In this Lord's Prayer there's a lot of overlap happening. Or maybe you're auditory learners and um, you can imagine like the Temptations or the Beatles or Boston offering up your prayers in one sweet harmonious accord. Jesus perfectly models how we should ask within the context and the fullness of prayer when our personal requests immediately follow our request for God's kingdom and God's will and ensures that we are not asking for our will, rather we are working in harmony with God as God brings about the kingdom in the world. So our question this morning is how do we do that? How do we harmonize our prayers? Well, I have some good news for us. There requires no musical capabilities in order to accomplish that, which is a relief for me. I have no music, musical capabilities. However, we can offer our requests up. They need to be both honest and thoughtful at the same time. God wants us to be honest. God wants us to bring our requests, to bring our prayers of lament, wrestling, struggling, suffering, seeking help, prayers for endurance. The psalmists of the Old Testament did this so well. They expressed and processed feelings and experiences with brutal honesty and the presence of God. We can learn a lot by praying through and reading through the Psalms. Psalm one sixty-one, no, nope, Psalm sixty-one, verses one and two, says, "Hear my cry, O God! Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to a rock that is higher than I." I love the vulnerability that we find within the Psalms. The example of that is empowering. We can be honest with God. God wants that from us. We can present our requests, what we need, what we want, the desires of our heart. We can be honest with ourselves and with God about those things, but we do so thoughtfully. We should ask what we want, ask for what we want and what we need, in light of what we know about the character of God, about what grieves God's heart, about what brings God joy. We can ask for what we need and what we want in light of what we know about salvation and God's plan for the world. It is through this Lord's Prayer, through this pattern, this order, this harmonizing that we ask first for God's kingdom and God's will and then my requests are sifted through that. So my request that God please just let them sleep through the night is a real and earnest prayer from the very depths of my heart and it is slightly recalibrated when I consider it At the same time, I consider all of the things that grieve God's heart in this world, or I consider all of the ways that God's kingdom is unfolding and all of the ways that God is at work around me. It's okay to be honest, and we should also be thoughtful. I had a professor who would open each class with a different rendition of the Lord's Prayer. And this became a really beautiful practice that I learned to really appreciate because it was in this practice, this reading and reciting and repeating of the Lord's Prayer that I learned to be thoughtful about the words that I was reading, offering, and reciting. And one of my favorite ones um, was from John Leek's book, Out Walking. And I'm gonna read that for us this morning. So I want everyone to take a, take a deep breath. And perhaps close your eyes if you're comfortable and consider the honesty and thoughtfulness in these words. Father of all creation, whose dwelling extends beyond this world, let no one trivialize your being. Let your order prevail. Let your intentions be for creation and for yourself. Give us each day, God, no more than we need and forgive us when we take for ourselves the well-being of others, as we forgive others who seek to take our own. Lead us away from our dreams of power that we might be whole, satisfied in you. I love that you can feel the honesty and the thoughtfulness in that prayer. What if in our prayers we asked with thoughtfulness for no more than we need? What if we, in our prayer life, prayed prayers that were generous and hospitable, and then we acted the same way in our day-to-day life? How would our prayers change if they were both honest and thoughtful? How would the world change if our prayers were both honest and thoughtful? But it's not just that. Our requests also need to be hopeful and humble. This is fun because this is when you get to exercise your inner preschooler and use your imagination. When we present our request to God, we do so as best as we could possibly imagine, right? We're we're asking for the best possible outcome. In doing so, we are proclaiming hope. We are acknowledging the present, but we're hoping for a future that is better. We do not skip over or step over the present into the heavenly in prayer, rather we ask for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We wrestle with the present and imagine what is possible. The 19th century theologian Soren Kierkegaard calls hope a passion for what is possible because in Christ we know that all things have been made possible. We can ask God for good things because we know we already have the best thing. Romans 8:38 says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can come to God with expectant hearts, but we do so fully satisfied by what God has already given us, by what God has already done in our hearts and in our lives and in our world. We trust God. We do not come arrogantly, we do not come entitled or anxiously, but we come humbly hopeful and humble. In humility, we are open to God doing something different than we have asked, knowing that it is greater than we could have hoped for or imagined. Jesus exemplifies these elements in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see both sides of this. In uh, Matthew 26, 39, he says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me yet not what I want, but what you want. Our desires can easily be disordered. We can have the best of intentions and still be mistaken. So as a safeguard against our selfishness or maybe our short-sightedness, we offer prayers that are both hopeful and humble, prayers that are harmonized, right? God's will and my will. Also, our requests need to be intimate and communal. God is our Father. God is for us and with us. God wants us to have have life to the full. That's why Jesus came in the first place. But we cannot do that on our own. We have to acknowledge our need for God, our need for our Father. And we have to remember that God is for us. God is for us more than we are for ourselves. God is with us more than we are with ourselves. God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. That is intimate. That is close. That is a personal relationship, a connection like no other. Matthew 6, 8 says that your father knows what you need before you even ask. So asking for things isn't a matter of just asking for things. It is a matter of cultivating an intimate and personal relationship with God who wants to have an intimate and personal relationship with you, God who is for you and with you. Prayer is also communal. I don't know if you noticed, but the words in the Lord's Prayer are, God, give us this day our daily bread. So in asking for something that I need and asking for daily bread, I'm not just asking for myself, but I'm asking for you. I'm asking for us all. Let's take a minute and talk about bread. Oprah and I love bread. I, um, I, I'm not a bread baker. Some of you guys are out there, and I celebrate your capacity to do that, but um, most of the bread that I buy and consume comes from a store that someone has packaged and carefully placed on a shelf. And before that person could do their job, someone else, a loving baker, spent time and effort to bake the bread. Before the baker could do that, There was a farmer who had to grow all of the ingredients. And even before that, it was God who had to supply the elements in order for all of that to happen. So when we're asking God for daily bread, we are recognizing two things. First, that nothing can be done apart from God, who is the originator and sustainer of us all. And also, how each one of us plays a part in this process. See, mutual care is needed for God's kingdom to be established here on this earth. God wants us not just to survive, but to thrive, which is why community is so great. That's why the church is such a gift that we get to do life together. We get to meet one another's needs, and we get to build the kingdom of God with God and with one another. Martin Luther says that to pray for daily bread is to pray against wanton exploitation. So in praying for daily bread, we are praying for a just and prosperous social order. And for that to happen, each one of us must take no more than we need so that each one of us can have all of the things that we need. A lot of times that means our our prayers are more than just words, that they are actions on behalf of one another in the name of the kingdom of God that is being established here among us. It's from Jesus' prayer that we learn how to harmonize our requests, our needs, our wants, our desires with God's kingdom and God's will. See the order matters, right? The harmony matters. We're learning this at our house um, because Byron's like learning his letters and putting, like, learning like what it takes to make words and, and learning how to read. And there was a time where he would just put all of the like squishy, foamy letters from the like bath toys, like on the shower wall, and say like, "Mom, what do, what word is this?" and it was like not a word. But so he's learning that things have to go in the right order, they need to be in the right place, they have to be integrated in the right way for them to be right and real. And that's true, a lot of times we, we the Lord's Prayer, the order is exemplified for us to start with God, our Father, to ask for God's kingdom, to submit to God's will, and then to present our requests before God. But if I'm being honest, there are a lot of times where I come to God with my laundry list of things that I think God needs to do. It would be super great if you just like took care of a lot of like all of this for me. And then if there's time, I will recognize God as Lord and King and Father. I'll ask for God's kingdom and maybe submit to God's will, but only after God does my will first. The order and integration matters immensely I have a challenge for us this week my challenge is that we each say the Lord's Prayer in a personal way every day this week It takes about 20 seconds to read through the Lord's Prayer. Um, At the beginning of the pandemic, when we were like very diligent about washing our hands for 20 seconds, um, that is about as long as it takes to read the Lord's Prayer. It may take a little bit longer to put it in your own words, to be thoughtful and honest about it, but that is my challenge, for us to harmonize our requests with God's will and God's kingdom. You see, the Lord's Prayer isn't just a liturgy to recite, but it is a model, a template to follow in our personal prayer life. This exercise, we, we shouldn't do this exercise just to, to check a box to say that we did it, all right, I prayed my prayer today. Um, rather, it is because we value our relationship with God. We want to experience prayer. We want to be and become. We want to move from practice to pleasure, from duty to desire. One of the main ways that the kingdom of God comes to earth is through prayer, or at least that's how it starts. Your prayers really change reality. They transform. As we partner with God, to change reality into the kingdom of God. If God is king, then we should be about building the kingdom. So just think of what it would look like if our prayers were honest and thoughtful, if they were hopeful and humble, if they were intimate and communal. Just think. I wanna ask you to bow your heads for a moment right where you are, and as you do so, we're gonna take a moment to reflect. I want you to think back at the last week. Think back at the times where you offered up prayers. What prompted you to pray? Maybe examine the order of the prayers that you have been praying. And as you do this, maybe you realize you might need to reorder some things. Perhaps you need to work on harmonizing your prayers. Maybe, maybe this week you just need to start. You just need to start praying. You see, we're all on this journey together. Whether you are ahead of me, or you are just getting started, or you are somewhere in the middle, we are a family and our hope and prayer is that we are all moving forward into a closer relationship with God. From practice to pleasure when it comes to praying and engaging in a relationship with God. Because prayer is just that. It is an invitation to engage with God. Jesus invites us to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He invites us into relationship. Perhaps all of this is new and you are here today and you need to start by first connecting with the one in whom whose name we pray, the name of Jesus, the one who makes this all possible, the one who took our sins on the cross, who rose victorious over those sins and death in order to bring us back to God so that we might have a relationship with God. And if that's you this morning, we want to give you the chance to respond to that invitation to engage in that relationship, to initiate the relationship that Jesus first initiated with us. You can pray your prayer right where you are. A prayer that is honest and thoughtful and sounds something like this. God, we need you. We can't do this without you. God, we need your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness and we accept your grace. We thank you for the opportunity for new life, for relationship with you. God, we choose to chase after you, to live our lives for you and with you. And we ask all of those things in your name. With everyone's head still bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we're a family and we want to celebrate with you. That was the best decision that you will ever make, could ever make. And because this is a new beginning, we're gonna ask you to do a couple of things. We wanna know, we want to celebrate with you, we wanna walk alongside of you. So scanning the QR code in the seat back in front of you, filling out that card, or letting someone know at the hub, or if you're online, letting your online host know, just initiates a conversation so we can help you take that next step. You don't have to sign up for 12 Bible studies, we just wanna start a conversation about what it looks like to do this together, to chase after Jesus. If that was your prayer today, we also wanna ask you to do one more thing. Would you raise your hand right where you are, stamping this moment in your life so you know this was the day, this was the moment that I made the best decision. And we, as a church family, we have a tradition around here that as you put your hands down, we put our hands together and we tell you welcome home.